Hi everyone, this is Aileen, and I am so excited about this episode, which is episode 57, Tech Tools for the Music Room with Katie Wardrobe. You probably have seen a webinar by Katie of Midnight Music. She's held several webinars that have been really helpful for music educators. A little bit about Katie. Katie Wardrobe is a music technology speaker, trainer, consultant, blogger, and podcaster who is passionate about helping music teachers through her business, Midnight Music. She runs hands-on workshops and presents regularly at conferences in Australia and overseas as a keynote speaker or a clinician. Katie offers online training and support to hundreds of music teachers all over the world through her music technology professional development online community, the Midnight Music Community, and also through her series of free monthly webinars, which have been attended by more than 20,000 teachers in 2020 alone. Katie is also the author of the Keyboard and Technology Program for Middle School Students titled Studio Sessions, published by Music EDU. Katie is also the host of the Music Tech Teacher podcast, which has surpassed 100 episodes. She is just a wealth of knowledge about all things technology and music education, and so much fun to talk to. Before we begin, I would like to apologize because I realized after the interview, while I was listening to the recording, that every time I moved in my chair, it was making a sound that I wasn't hearing during the interview, but it is noticeable in the recording. It sounds like this. So every time I shift a little bit in my chair, you can hear that on the recording. So I apologize for that. I hope it's not too distracting, but hopefully now that you know what it is, you can just ignore it. And I will never again use this chair for a podcast interview. I hope you enjoy the show. You are listening to The Music Room with Aileen Miracle. so excited to welcome Katie Wardrobe onto the show. Hi, Katie. Hi, Aileen. It's so good to be here. And it's, it's nice to talk to you after talking to you on my podcast. Yes. Well, it was a couple of weeks ago now. So that was lots of fun. Yes. And I can link to that podcast episode uh, in the show notes, but it was so great to be on your podcast. And I decided I had to have you on mine after talking to you. So we are going to talk today all about tech tools for the music classroom, but first, can you tell us about yourself and your music educator journey? Yeah, so I run my own business called Midnight Music, and I really love doing that because it's basically me working with teachers, helping people to use technology in lots of different ways. And it really started out in a very specific way, but has grown over the years to cover kind of everything and anything. And I have a background in teaching, well, a teaching degree, but I never really went into the classroom and ended up with a full-time teaching job, which was what I was expecting to do. Uh, both of my parents were music teachers when they were still working, and that was just kind of what I knew. But I did the degree and I thought, oh, I might just see whatever else is out there and, um, you know, just explore some other options because I thought I could go to teaching sometime when I decided in the future. And I did a few things, but I ended up working for Sibelius Notation Software. And basically I got that job because my friend James was working there and he kind of rang me one day and he said, do you want to work for Sibelius? And I said, yes, that sounds kind of cool and joined and did training for teachers and other people in how to use Sibelius and presenting at conferences, which I really loved. But in the end, the biggest part of the job was actually tech support related. And that was just a massive like baptism of fire because I just had no background in that at all. And I really wasn't that tech savvy. I knew how to use Sibelius, but I really didn't know about how computers worked and the differences between Windows and Mac, um, you know, operating systems, and then other things came along like other devices. Oh my gosh. And it was just such a, a scary time, but really good for me. I was just forced to learn a lot of stuff in a very short time. And 
when my job there ended, I thought, well, I like doing the training part. The working with the teachers was the thing I really loved most. And so, yeah, so that's what I, I ended up doing after that, starting up my own business and starting doing a lot of Sibelius training and other things. But then it just really grew from there. And I haven't actually done Sibelius workshops for a long time. It's been all the other things out there. Uh-huh. <laughs> So it's, yeah, that's, that's basically how it started. And it's definitely become more than a full-time job now, which I I don't mind because I love it so much. Yes. And I, I have to say, I think you truly found your calling because you are so good at what you do and so calming too. Every time I watch one of your trainings, I'm just like, oh, I can do this. (laughs) I get that comment a lot, actually. And I think I saw you comment that maybe, or maybe you said it on the podcast after, you know, back in March when everybody, the whole world suddenly went to remote teaching. And I did that webinar, which I hadn't planned originally on doing. And I just sort of put this thing together quite quickly about how to deal with teaching remotely. And I Mm -hmm. think that was your comment after that. And I I laughed. I was like, oh, that's such a nice compliment. (laughs) Yes. I think we all felt so frantic that it was nice to just have like a calm voice of reasoning that we could all do this. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, the lucky thing for me is that I'm not in the classroom, you know, doing it day to day. So I can kind of take that step back and maybe help out some people in that way. All right. So yeah, I think definitely we'll talk about where to find Katie at the end of the podcast. And I'll make sure to put that in the show notes, but you have so many great resources that just kind of sequentially lead you through. So I'm excited to talk to you because you have explored so many tools in your webinars and in your workshops um, about just different tech tools that you really love. So first, what is your favorite tech tool for, or your favorite tech tools for lesson delivery? And by that, I mean, like so many of us are virtual now, So instead of standing in front of kids physically, some of us are delivering like asynchronous lessons through technology. So what have you discovered that you really like for that? I think actually I've been giving myself a crash course in some things over the last few months as well. So obviously some things I've been using for quite some time. And for me, this period has been funny because... It's the way I've been working for many years and suddenly it's like this new thing for everybody. And for some people, it's like a whole fantastic new world that they're discovering. And for many, it's like this very stressful thing of, I just want to deliver a lesson and it's so super hard. So the few of the things I thought I'd mention today might be different things to what's been talked about, because I think that's often useful. And I, I learn a lot of things from what I hear on podcasts, like new tools to use or things to explore. So I thought I might include some newer things or maybe some slightly different things that people haven't used. But things like Pear Deck and Nearpod, and I know like you and I talked about those on my podcast too, and mm-hmm. I had looked into your Nearpod uh, things on your blog and on Teachers Pay Teachers to explore that. But that's been a great way to make things a bit more interactive. And, you know, one of the things that's really hard when you're teaching remote is you've got this sea of maybe kids' faces or maybe not even that, maybe just like an avatar. My own kids' school were not showing them on video and still don't most of the time. But so you've got this blank screen of hoping people are there. The kids could not be there at all. They might be in the kitchen making a sandwich. Right, yes. <laughs> but things like Pear Deck and Nearpod allow you that interaction live when you're in the moment. So, And for those that don't know, uh, both of those tools allow you to like present a slideshow but actually get kids to respond while you're in the middle of it. So it's a good thing. You can have a, you know, move this thing to indicate that you agree with that or move it here to to say that you disagree or respond by drawing on this slide, you know, show me a treble clef and what it looks like or mm-hmm. whatever it is. So I think both of those are really worth exploring. And I think I see a lot of people kind of asking a lot of questions about them and you've just got to kind of have a go and just have a go and yes. explore them. And that was the way I looked into both of those. But but other things that I think are really useful are for creating teaching resources. I will actually mention Canva, which is a graphic design tool. And It's something that I use every single day and I know a lot of people hear the name and know that they can create things using Canva, but I feel like a lot of people don't realise why it's so good to use Canva and that's because it has this amazing library of resources inside the tool. So when you create in Google Slides or Keynote that I use quite a lot, 
you know, you have to find all the pictures to go into your presentation. You have to go and look for the picture of the ukulele and the guitar and the bongo drums that you want to put into your pictures. But Canva has them in the library. You just search this massive repository of, of images and little clip art pictures and things like that. So, so that's been such a helpful tool for me, creating resources and helping other people discover what you can do inside it. So I definitely recommend that one. <laughs> it's yes. just a time-saving thing. Not everything's in there all the time. Like if you were to search for some sort of maybe unique instrument or something, you may not find it, but you can also upload things into Canva and put them into your designs that way. But, but there's so much stuff already in there, just a lot of options. So I love that one. And then I will mention that I also love Wakelet. And this is, again, something which people are kind of discovering now. Some people are using it. A lot of people are not and still haven't heard of it. And this is a tool that allows you to collect and share resources of some sort. So links to things, text, videos and PDFs and so on. And Wakelet can be used in many, many ways. So I use it personally to gather resources together for a webinar that I've run. So when there's a whole series of things that I want to share with people, I put them in a Wakelet collection and then send them a link to that collection. And you can click through to the website that I've mentioned and download the PDF that I've mentioned and click through to a YouTube video or actually watch the YouTube video there that refers to the thing that I've talked about. And it's just a fantastic way of gathering stuff together. But in terms of lesson delivery, you can actually deliver materials to your students using Wakelet and they are beautifully organized and everything looks really nice on the screen so rather than having like in Google Classroom where you might just post an assignment and there's lesson materials attached in Wakelet you can kind of lay everything out beautifully and see it all in the one place send the students the link to the Wakelet board and then they off they go from there. So I think that's a fantastic tool to explore for many people and there's lots and lots of other ways you can use it uh, with, with students themselves or just for you yourself but it's kind of like making a web page which looks nice but super easy to put together. No coding needed <laughs> at all. Yes, I actually just signed up for the free Wakelet account today because I started listening to your podcast. You recently had a podcast about about using Wakelet for, yes. yeah, for digital portfolios. I didn't get to finish listening to it, but I listened to the first part of it. And I thought before I finish this podcast, I should go and look and see if this is an approved tech tool because yes, we idea. have, yeah, we go through this whole approval process in my district. And I checked this evening and it was approved for curation because I was, as I was listening to that podcast, I thought, well, could I have my students do digital portfolios with Wakelet? And it looks like you have to be 13 or over for a student to be able to like create their own account. Yes. Yes. So that would be a great, yeah. Yeah. So that'd be a great outlet for secondary students. But since I don't have secondary students, I thought, well, I wonder if I, just like you said, I could use this like Google sites or something where you could give them a lesson or you could give them choices of like, choose three different things on this Wakelet to explore or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, really great. Um, So yes, Kath, who I chatted to for that podcast episode, she does work with secondary students, mm-hmm. like seven, 13 and above. But right. um, So they have their own accounts. But with I think there's a way that you can use it with younger students where you own the Wakelet collection and you can invite them as collaborators. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they become part of your Wakelet collection. They're not making oh, their own Oh, that's good to know. Okay. Yeah. I think you can even add people to your collections without them even needing an email address or anything you just they can join as a guest so there are limitations attached to that but totally worth it yeah yeah I'll have to look Um, into that thank you the other good thing is that collection like a one weight click collection can be like the teacher can set up a main one and then the students can kind of have sub collections connected to that so one can be like the holding place for all of them if that makes sense and then Uh the student can fill out more information on their own collection but but yeah it's definitely worth checking out and again so many ways that you can use it uh kathy i talked to you on that podcast she keeps coming back with now i'm using it for this purpose (laughs) i'm like you're such a ninja now and she she thinks it's hilarious because she doesn't consider herself tech savvy at all (laughs) i'm like no you totally are at least with wakelet yes Well, that's the thing with technology too, is I, I have talked to a lot of people who just immediately say, oh, I'm not good with technology. Yeah. 
but you listen to them talk and you're, you're like, no, but you are like, no, you really know that. a lot about this. Um, exactly. Yeah. I say it's kind of like learning to match pitch. Like we as music teachers say that everyone can learn to match pitch. So I yep. think everyone can learn to use technology. You just, I do too. You know. I say the same thing and I actually say about learning an instrument, like uh, people who say to me, oh, I'm too old to learn te- about mm-hmm. technology, like I'm just going to hold out until I retire and say, mm, I don't think so. But when people say that to me in workshops, I say, so when someone like an adult friend comes to you and says, oh, I always wish I had learnt the guitar as a child, it's like, well, what's wrong? You're not, you're like 40 something, you've still got many years to be alive and learn an instrument. So, right. Just go get some lessons or watch some YouTube videos. And yeah. it's the same with technology. Like it's not the best attitude to have, but I do understand it's overwhelming. Yes. <laughs> you just got to yeah. give it a go. Yeah, especially when you're thrown mean, into it. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And the, the pressure of especially the last six months, it's been a pretty horrible way to learn. But mm-hmm. in a way I can see benefits to everyone being forced to learn. It's You can't put it off. You just have to go. There. Right. So that's yes. been a good thing. I want to mention one more teaching tool like lesson delivery type thing. And I know this has been, like everybody's probably familiar with Loom uh, as a screencasting tool for creating videos and it's fantastic. But I did want to mention because there was an aspect of Loom that even I kind of didn't realise until a week or two ago. And I thought this is so worth mentioning because this comes from people making Loom videos. So you you can click record and record your screen or your webcam and make your teaching video. So it's fantastic. But I see a lot of comments about, oh, but the audio quality is not good of the music that I want to play in the video. So I am demonstrating a rhythmic pattern alongside a YouTube video, but the, the audio sounds kind of, you know, like really bad. And in the Chrome extension for Loom, when you get it going, many people know that you can click to record just a tab and say, yes, I want to record the audio from that tab to make it sound good. So there's that, which is fantastic. But if you wanted to record something that lives on your computer, which is a music tool, like let's say GarageBand, something else like that. So the sound is coming from the thing that's living on your laptop and it's not a Chrome tab. So you can't make GarageBand be on a Chrome, like a tab. You can't record the audio that way. So Loom has an additional desktop version for Mac and for PC. And I've had it for a long time. I just hadn't really opened it up and explored all the things. I use mostly another tool for my screencasting, my own screencasting projects. But I looked at the Loom desktop version the other day and there is an option to record your computer audio, system audio, on no, on every app, on no matter what oh, you're wow. showing or using on your computer. So I thought, man, I really feel like this needs mentioning. So when you go to record something like GarageBand or it could be Sibelius or Finale or I don't know, whatever app you're using, you would use the desktop version, not the Chrome extension this time. So you'll open up the desktop version and then just make sure that you check the box which says record system audio. So I just wanted to mention that because it's such a useful thing for making teaching videos and getting that better quality sound out of it and fantastic tool. So I was excited. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. I had no idea. I do have the desktop app, but I didn't realize that you could do that. So that's great to know. Yeah, really good, really good. Awesome. Those are some really great tech tools. Uh, What about for productivity? What's your favorite tech tool or tech tools for productivity? So many. (laughs) Productivity. (laughs) I did. Uh, I started running a workshop, like a training session on productivity. It's probably three years ago now. And the things that I started saying back then, it's still true today. And that session, you know, literally could be three hours long if I wanted mm-hmm. it to be because there's so many things. But I picked like what I thought were the most important things for me every day that make my life run a bit more smoothly and so when I run that workshop the first thing I talk about with everybody and we have a little bit of a confessional session is about managing your passwords and it seems like a funny thing to say that it's a productivity tool but we all have passwords for almost every single thing that we use nowadays and it is not productive when you go to the website or the app and you don't remember your password and you don't log in or you can't log in or which version of my one password did I use this time? You know, all of that sort of stuff. Right. 
And even if you do remember your password, and often the reason that you do remember it is because you're using the same password in all the places. <laughs> this is where we have the confessional. I make people raise their hand if they use one password over everything. And the bad thing about that is that that is the easiest way for you to get everything hacked and lose access. And so if that happens, you're going to lose days of time. So it's not productive again. So, so the best way to manage your passwords is to use some software which manages passwords for you. And for me, that's just the number one thing. And when I finish up that workshop, I say, if you only do one thing out of today's workshop, that is the one thing I would recommend. Get some software that manages your passwords. So I use LastPass and there are a few options, a few different things you can use, but LastPass is fantastic. There's another one called OnePassword and there's, there's other things. LastPass works well for me personally because it works sort of in, on a cloud basis and it means that I can share passwords with other people I work with. Oh. They don't see the password. Uh -huh. So if I have someone who works for me in my business, I can give them access to my login via LastPass but they don't see it. They don't. They visit the website and it populates the fields without them seeing the actual details of the, the password itself, just populates it for them and they get into the website and they can use it. If they leave my business, I just revoke their access from LastPass. So it's a fantastic way to work with people. And I also share passwords in that way with my own kids. So they're, they're teenagers now, so they're starting to get a lot of passwords. So mm -hmm. I've made them put the extension on and, and um, manage their passwords that way too. So so that is my one, my biggest productivity tip really. But uh, if I was going to mention anything else, Asana or Trello, I know a lot of people use Trello, but something to manage projects and tasks and, mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. And recording what you do the first time so that when you do it the next 73 times, the steps are written out for you and you don't have to reinvent the wheel each time. That's, again, the biggest way that I use Asana is to have a regular system laid out for podcast episodes or blog posts or webinars mm -hmm. that I run. Our webinar project or uh, task has 40 steps in it. Oh, wow. To organise the webinar each month. Yeah. I don't do all some of them I do, some are done by two or three other people in the business. But uh -huh. out of 40 steps, like we now have a well-oiled machine and we go to the sauna and things are in order. So I need to do the first three steps and then the next person can do their thing and then the next person and we just check them off that way. So they would be my two top recommendations. Uh -huh. <laughs> do, you, do you use Trello? Do, do I oh, I, yeah, tr um, yeah. 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 I absolutely love Trello. I do all of my like daily to do, like I have a list for each day of the week and I'm scoot things. If I don't get to it, I just scoot the card over to the next day. Yeah. No guilt. Yeah. Just, Oh, I didn't yep. get that to that today. Yeah. Trello is amazing. Trello is um, fantastic too. And you can do the same things, track your systems and processes or what you need to do in there. I still do also write handwrite a list on a piece of paper because mm -hmm. I physically need to do that. I don't know why I can't let go of that, but it often replicates what's in Asana and then I'll go and check it off in Asana. <laughs> right. And, you, and then you're checking it off twice. You feel twice yeah. as productive, right? <laughs> Asana has this funny thing you can turn on. It's in the settings. So an option to turn on random flying unicorns. Oh, yes. Like zebras uh -huh. and stuff. Yeah. So I've used Asana a little bit and I've seen it. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> so you check off tasks and then you'll get a unicorn flying across the screen. Yeah. <laughs> it makes you feel extra special. Know, um, right? <laughs> that was a good reminder about passwords because I do have several different passwords, but I don't, I'm not using LastPass at all. I had a, another friend tell me that I should use it. And then I did. So I'm going to do it now. I promise. Do it. I'm promising. If myself. there's one thing from this podcast, <laughs> yes. go and do last pass. I think it's such a useful thing. Um, and I will just say like other reasons why it is really useful. So last pass, when you are going to set up new accounts on websites, like you go to something like today, I needed to download some random thing. And I, of course I had to set up an account to do it. Like it was just ridiculous, but of course, it says make up a password and then retype your password. LastPass will generate that weird complex password. And don't forget, I don't need to remember it. So I don't care if oh, it's okay. capital G, lowercase x, y, three, exclamation mark, like whatever combination it is. LastPass will generate it and put it in the fields for me in one click. So that's oh, done. wow. Okay. And then also, as soon as I've signed up for that website, LastPass pops up with, do you want me to 
keep that for you and mm-hmm. you just go sure I really do and you click yeah. the button and it adds into your last pass so it, it's just such a great thing so it will also make your accounts more safe by generating that that different secure password for everything and yeah I just can't tell you <laughs> so the confessional in the workshop is I, I literally say okay who in the room uses a spreadsheet which is saved to your desktop to keep track of your password and then the other thing is and if you don't do that who is using the same password everywhere and then there's these like sheepish right yeah okay stop that right now (laughs) do not do it Uh, but it also works on your phone. So um, this is also the great thing for me. I've got iPhone, um, whatever, with the face ID mm-hmm. you know, thing. And so I visit somewhere because the most painful thing for me is logging in on your phone. I don't know. Everyone else might feel this too, but mm-hmm. open up something, an app or a website, and then you tap your finger in the first, like the name field or username field, and your phone goes, do you want to open like passwords? Like do you want to? access LastPass to do this and then it just it unlocks LastPass with my face ID and populates the fields and we're done oh that's (laughs) amazing and that really is I never thought about that being a productivity tool but it really is because you're not spending like a few minutes every time you log into something yeah that's a great point yeah totally is (laughs) great thank you I know we just talked about like the Wakelet being kind of like a newer tech tool, but do you have another newish tech tool that you've been exploring? Yeah, I, I've had quite a few this year actually, but I thought I thought I might mention here a a different thing. And this is I'm going to say this is more of an advanced thing, but it solves a massive problem for many people. And it's not going to be for everyone, so ignore it if you, <laughs> if you don't want to take it on. But um, this is more to do with managing your audio when you're on a live call, like a Google Meet session or a Zoom session or whatever it is you're doing. Uh, for me also, the live webinars that I run each month are through YouTube Live. So when you're doing streaming things, it's quite hard to manage the microphone input that you're dealing with. So you want your sound to come through your microphone and sound good. And then you also want the audio from a video that you want to show during that session to sound good. And you want the audio maybe from a keyboard that you've got to play and you want that to come through and sound good as well. And you've got all these different audio inputs that you need to manage and get out to the people who are listening to your session. And there's multiple ways of doing this. So, you know, like with Zoom and Google Meet, you would make sure things like clicking the box which says share computer audio if you're on Zoom. So that's one way to manage it. But that kind of just deals with one thing at a time. So there are ways that you can manage all the things at once and manage them much more easily. So I've been just using Loopback. And this is for Mac only, but there is a PC sort of equivalent tool called Voice Meter. But Loopback is a virtual, it's not real, <laughs> like it's a virtual thing. It's, it's software that you open up and you select all of the things that you want to be inputs for your audio. So for me, I've set up a thing in Loopback which has the input from my microphone, from Keynote, which I use to present mm-hmm. uh, files because I want to p- play videos which are in my Keynote file. So I've got videos which are actually in the file. They don't live online. Then sometimes I need to play audio from my Chrome browser. So that might be the Chrome Music Lab website or Incredibox mm-hmm. or whatever that is. Then I've got audio. I haven't tried this yet, but if I had my uh, my my keyboard on my desk and I needed to play that in a session, I could add that as well. You have all these audio inputs. And then in loopback, there's, it's very visual. You basically drag a little line it's like you're plugging in cables into a desk or something you kind of drag the virtual cable to the place where you want it to go so all of these inputs I drag to the place where I'm going to select this as a device inside zoom or youtube live so I basically route all of this audio into one place and the benefit of doing this is that you have full control over all the different volume levels of everything so I was finding my keynote file volume was quite loud compared to my voice. So mm-hmm. in loopback, I have that turned down a bit. And okay. then the audio from Chrome Music Lab and so on is all there too. So when I open up Zoom to use or YouTube Live or whatever system I'm using, 
instead of saying I want the input from my microphone and then also my computer audio, I just select loop back. That's it. Or I just select this one thing. And it gives me the good quality audio from all those different places and I have complete control over in this virtual kind of um, routing setup. Now, that's really hard to describe verbally on a podcast. Uh-huh. <laughs> but if anyone's having issues, and this is really the only great way that I've found it's the easiest way for me to share audio from music websites that I want to show live in a session often I I just make my presentation avoid that like I'll show a pre-made video or just not Mm -hmm. do it in the session I talk about it go and explore it afterwards but this allows me actually to do it live in the session so I can demonstrate live how Chrome Music Lab works and the audio sounds really good for the people at the other end. So so that's my favourite new tech tool of recent times. <laughs> so that's awesome. I've never heard of it and I could yeah. totally use that. Yeah, it's a paid tool. And again, price-wise, it's not going to be for everybody. So I mm-hmm. think it's $99 US. But for okay. me, it's solved such a great problem in one go it's totally worth paying for it for me if I was teaching maybe as a like if I ran my own business as a say a piano teacher or a teacher of multiple instruments and it was a private studio set up and you're doing everything online this might be something to consider you can also kind of do the same thing physically through a mixing desk but not everybody has a mixing desk line right for a few hundred dollars so this could be actually a, a more inexpensive option if you wanted to go down yeah that sounds like it could be really useful especially with so many people doing zoom and google meets and yeah yeah i can see the frustration of trying to share audio and and it's Mm -hmm. been a lifelong frustration for me but nowadays there are things like loopback so definitely give it a go (laughs) all right thank you for that what is your favorite tech hack ah so tech hack There's something that I've mentioned a few times on my own podcast and actually in in a lot of workshops that I've run, but, and it's just such a simple thing. So this is opposite to Loopback where it's paid and it's a bit more advanced, but in terms of a simple thing, I love the concept of saving things into a single spreadsheet. And I'm talking a Google sheet here because it's online. So saving things into a spreadsheet which becomes a directory for something. So I have a number of these, what I call directories in my Google Drive. And this is where I'm going to give the example of recipes. So I'm going to give a non-music education example, but I have a lot of recipes that I like to refer back to. And nowadays they're all online, pretty much all online. Um, So what I do is I have the name of the recipe and I have a link to the recipe in this one spreadsheet. And so when I need to find that really great chicken dish that I cooked three weeks ago, what on earth was it? And I can't remember where I found it, which magazine or which Mm -hmm. website. I go to my directory and it's there. There's a link to it. The useful thing about this is I've also started to type up my own recipes, the ones that I refer to a lot, which are handwritten somewhere in a book. I've actually put them into a Google Doc now. So again, it's in a Google Doc, but I put the link to the Google Doc in the spreadsheet So when it says, you know, Katie's famous vegetarian lasagna, Uh (laughs) I can just click through to the link and the recipe is there. And and now it won't matter if I lend the book to someone or lose the magazine, you know, piece of paper that I I had it on. So this directories idea I, I use for recipes, but I actually use a lot for music education stuff too. So for instance, In my business, there are lots of processes that we need to keep track of. So how to do something like how to publish a blog post or how to record and edit the podcast or whatever it is. And again, all of those instructions are written into a single Google Doc. So there's one for the blog post. There's one for like how to add someone to the mailing list or how to remove someone from the mailing list. But all of those Google Docs are linked inside a single spreadsheet, which is called the training catalogue. And so when anyone in the business needs to know how to do something, they open up this spreadsheet and you can search and go, okay, there's how to do that one thing. In the column, it says what it is. And then to the right, there's a link to the Google Doc, which will show you the steps. Sometimes in another column, there's a link to a Loom video, which shows you how to do it. Like someone is actually talking through how to do it. But it all lives in this one training catalogue and it just makes it really easy to find things. So that is another 
top recommendation. Yeah, it's like simple, but so brilliant at the same time. So simple, yeah. Yeah. So simple and so brilliant. So we, we use it in many places. I have another one for ukulele songs that I like to play and there's a name of the song and then there's a link to the Google Doc where I have the chord progression and the, the lyrics written out or even the sheet music linked in there. Mm-hmm. So again, it's just a great way to keep track of things that you want to find. Yeah, my wheels are turning. I'm thinking about all the different ways I could use that. So That's great. <laughs> I have some like recipes and stuff in Trello, but unless my husband also, I made him download the Trello app too, so he could get it. But yeah, sometimes it's like, you just want to be able to share something really quick. And if it's in another app that someone doesn't necessarily have, but if it's in Google sheets, it's super easy to get to and to share. Yeah. And easy to access on, like I do it on my phone or my iPad. Yeah. Because that's what I'm using in the kitchen. I rarely have my laptop in there, but I have my iPad on a stand and Mm -hmm. so it's just in there it's cool (laughs) yeah that's great we talked about how a lot of times people just have the obstacle of they just don't think they're good at technology have you encountered another obstacle that's common where people kind of come to a stopping point with technology and they just get frustrated and how have you helped people overcome it or how would you suggest people overcome it yeah, I, I think this is what I see the most. I guess you and I are part of the same Facebook groups and you, you see the same questions, but also the same underlying frustrations mm-hmm. uh, with technology. And I think there's probably two things. It's For me, it's the fear of the unknown is always the biggest thing. Like even I, when I know I need to learn a brand new tool, like before I ran a webinar in front of I don't know how many, 1,500 people about Pear Deck and Newpod. I had to give myself a big crash course in Pear Deck and Newpod. And so for me, that webinar was like, oh, my gosh, it was kind of stressful a week before because I hadn't even ever used the tools and right. I gave myself the crash course. So, And for me, it's the barrier in my head. This is when I procrastinate the most. It's like, I'm just, oh, it's just too hard. I'm not going to do it or I'm worried about how it's going to go or can I find how to use it quickly. And, and the next thing I will say also is that I see people asking questions about the tool. So, for instance, if I posted about loopback on Facebook, that, that might be something that interests people. And there'll be questions like, is it Mac only? And you go, okay, that's a fair enough question. But in the end, the, I see a lot of people, they keep asking questions about the thing, like about Pear Deck. So how do the students log in or is it free or can you do this or at some point you have to stop asking questions and just go and open it up and just look around and do the things and then you're going to come back and ask better questions of the people Mm -hmm. who know how that works I think so that's the biggest thing to me I get a lot of questions through Facebook through my page you know people sending messages it's it's like all of these questions about a single tool and it's kind of like well you're just going to go and have to have a play with it. <laughs> like you really do. Mm-hmm. You have to set aside some time, not be worried about what you feel is wasting time. Like just set aside an hour to look at this thing. And yeah, go and watch some YouTube videos. I do do that first. I always watch YouTube videos mm-hmm. first and it gets me a sense and maybe shortcuts like the wasting of time. But at some point you have to press stop on that YouTube video and just open up the software and have a go. So that is my biggest tip, I think, in that. Just, yeah, just give it a go. You can't get a feel for something unless you've actually used it yourself. You just, you mm-hmm. really can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It happens a lot with Google Classroom questions, I find. You know, like, yes, yeah, how to attach materials. Well, if you open it up, I know it's not obvious all the time, all the right. things, but you, you kind of got to just look around the screen and click through menus just to see what's there. I do that right. all the time when I open up a new software tool. I just click through all the menus and I'm not intending to remember all the stuff. I'm just, right. I might just remember it down the track. Oh, I think I saw that somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, and then I'll go back to it and find out how to do it. <laughs> yeah. I think what I find helpful when it comes to that is, yeah, just exploring. And I understand that like, not everybody loves to explore technology, maybe the way that you and I do, especially if you kind of have that, you know, frustration or that past history of technology where it was very frustrating. But I do love to just go in there and explore and then to have a colleague or a friend that you can send something to. Like nice. I told a colleague of mine about Pear Deck. And so she created her own. And then she sent me the link and said, can you try this out? And it wasn't correct. 
like she just hadn't shared it properly. So I said, oh, you need to do this and this. And then she was able to fix it. So having a friend or a colleague that you can send things to, I think is really helpful. Yeah. 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 I say that a lot in sessions too. I do that with music education friends that I have. So, you know, there's a a few of us on Facebook, for instance, and I will send through Messenger like... Mm -hmm. um, like I know Amy Burns well, who's a great elementary music teacher. And yeah. Sherry Herring and Barb Friedman. And so we often share, can you just check, is this working? Uh-huh. I think it should be working. Right. But also if you don't have that, like I do heaps of testing of stuff with my own kids who are in year eight and year nine now. So, you know, I'm like, can you just log into, like I got them to, when I was testing Loopback out, I'm mm-hmm. like, can you log into this fake live session that I've got mm-hmm. going and what can you hear? Can you hear this okay? Right. It's too loud compared to other things and, and testing that. And if they're not home, I would literally set up a second device in my house with the thing uh-huh. and go over and pretend to be the student. Yeah. <laughs> log in as the student or get a separate device to check it on and, and just see. Right. So useful to do that. Yeah. So useful. Yeah. Great, great tip. What resources would you recommend for people who are like really excited about diving into technology? Or maybe they're not so excited, but they know they need to dive into technology. (laughs) (laughs) This is the thing nowadays. Yeah. They just have to. Yeah. (laughs) That that shift uh, changed. When I first started doing training sessions, um, I had a lot of people with crossed arms in the back of my sessions because they Mm -hmm. were forced to go by their administrators. Right. They didn't want to be there. But now, and then there was a bit more of a leaning forward thing going on where, okay, I'm kind of interested in this. Uh I'm still terrified. Uh (laughs) And then nowadays it's just like, there's no choice. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, there's places I go to regularly for my own learning. I, I really do spend a lot of time of my week learning stuff. And on that, a lot of people are like, well, I don't have hours to sit and watch YouTube videos or listen to podcasts. Well, I do all of that when I am doing something else. So I'm mm-hmm. in the kitchen cleaning or washing up or cooking. That is when I watch every single YouTube video and listen to every podcast. I don't commute anywhere, even when we're not locked down. I don't. Mm-hmm. I still don't commute anywhere. If I was commuting, I would listen to podcasts on my commute. But just I always do that when I'm doing something else. I don't often need to sit and watch the screen very closely. I just need mm-hmm. to hear the person and glance over every now and again. And if it's something I do need to watch closely, I, I will do it more properly and <laughs> properly watch it. But yeah, there's a few places I go to. So obviously, like for other music educators, I do look at your your stuff a lot. <laughs> Thank and, you. you know, Amy Burns's thing. Yes, she's awesome. And, yes, she's yeah, awesome too. All of them, people who are sharing actual music lessons. That's what I want to see. I want to see actually how people are, are using the tools, how are you mm-hmm. using Pear Deck or, or whatever it is. But there's, you know, there's a few go-tos in that regard. Of course, my website has some stuff on if people want to go check that out. But for YouTube channels, um, there's a lot of YouTube channels I subscribe to. And nowadays, just recently, I've started actually making a habit of checking what new videos they've published just out of interest. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) of course, I forgot to write them down. So hopefully I'll remember (laughs) (laughs) that Sam, who runs the new EdTech Classroom, fantastic channel to go to and just check out what he talks about because he is explaining he does really great in-depth tutorials on all of the tech tools that work across multiple subject areas so he is not a music teacher but all of his videos I found really useful so when I knew I needed to present Pear Deck and Nearpod, I went to his channel. I'm like, Sam will have something. And sure enough, so I watched his Pear Deck video. Oh, cool. Uh, oh, I think it was Pear Deck, something anyway. Uh-huh. Uh, watched through that and I'm like, okay, that's cool. No music examples, but it gave mm-hmm. me a sense of how you set your account up, how the mm-hmm. students access it. All of, He goes through all of that. So I find his really, really useful and I, I watch, I subscribe to his and actually watch each new video that comes out. But in addition to his, um, uh, Michelle, who, I think it's Michelle who runs Pocketful of Primary. I know lots mm-hmm. of people will know that channel. She has some fantastic uh, tutorials as well. And there's a couple of others. Easy Ed Tech, I think is one of them. And I don't remember the person's name who runs that. And there's one I discovered more recently called uh, Loving Little Learners. Oh, yeah. It's just they're all general ed tech things. Mm -hmm. None of them are music specific, but they are my go-tos. And then I will then apply it to music, how it can work with music teachers or that sort of thing. So, yeah, so a lot of those. And, 
Yeah, just websites generally. Mostly I Google, but I will still find the same people pop up in the Google. Right, yes. As usual. Um, but podcasts too. Yeah, lots of podcasts I listen to. I have some education ones and then I have a lot of non-education related things. But yours, of course, and uh, the Thank one you. by Tanya and Carrie, which is yeah. teacher, Coffee Talk. Yes. Uh, so that one is, is fantastic too. Yeah, it is. Um, there's a handful of others, but yeah, I listen to those very regularly each new episode that pops out it's been great (laughs) awesome and your website really is so helpful um so tell people where they can find you thank you that's very nice um so it's midnightmusic.com.au don't forget the au at the end Uh so people message me it doesn't work (laughs) so yeah you've got to add the dot au on and yeah there's podcast episodes on there and and also blog posts but there's a link to free training up the top in the menu bar and so if people want to see past webinars they're all there in-depth training into lots of different things so yes yeah. So you have the one that I watched that really helped me like create my own virtual music classroom was the one on Google Slides. If you That was very popular that one. Yeah, it like and I was pretty comfortable with Google Slides, but after watching it I I learned quite a bit that I didn't know like the drop shadow on images or oh, yeah. how to search so that you have the PNG images or just like little tips that I thought, "Oh my goodness, I had no idea." Oh, and you have one and figured that out. <laughs> yeah. And then like Nearpod, you have one on Nearpod and and Pear Deck. And am I right that you have one coming up on Google Forms? Yes, that's next week. There's currently uh, 1,500 people registered. Oh, wow. I think it's going to be, I think the Google Slides one might have been the biggest so far or Flipgrid. I do one on Flipgrid. Uh Those two were the most popular in recent months. But the Google Forms one, I think, is going to be just as popular. So it's crazy how popular that topic's been. It seems such yeah. a dry topic, but it's so useful. Yes, especially right now. Oh, so useful right now. So I'm, yeah, I'm going to have lots of very specific examples for music teachers for that. But um, yeah, awesome. I haven't started preparing that yet. We've got a week to go. <laughs> you have time. It's fine. all good. <laughs> I'm sure it will be fantastic. <laughs> well, do you want to talk about what we're consuming? Oh, yes. Great topic. Game shows seem to be like pretty popular right now, probably because, you know, maybe some shows can't exactly record their shows like they typically would because of COVID. So we've been watching a few more game shows than we normally do. And one that my husband and I absolutely love is To Tell the Truth. I don't know if you've seen that one. I do not know. If they're airing that in Australia. It's with Anthony Anderson. He's the host. He's the like lead actor in Blackish. And they have like three people that they bring on the show and they have like the judges or the people who are guessing are all celebrities. So that part is just fun to watch. (laughs) So they have these celebrities and then they bring three people onto the show and they all say that they are like one of them was I have swung the English channel. So you see here are three people say I have swung the English channel. I have swung the English channel. I also on the English channel. And then the celebrities like fire questions at them. Like, what was your training like or whatever, you know? And the only person who has to tell the truth is the person who actually did it. So one one of those three people has actually swum the English channel or whatever. They've had like yo-yo champions and all sorts of people on there. So it's really interesting, like how easily people can lie and be convincing. Um, and so my husband and I love watching it. We're like, oh, it's number three. No, I think it's number two. It's just, it's good fun. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'll have to look it up. I have not heard of that. We don't watch so many game shows here. We we are are basically onto now only watching streaming services. We've just yeah. given up on our free to air. Like it's right. just terrible. <laughs> so yeah, we're all about the streaming services. But uh, my boys, my teenage boys, each watch things on their own. But we we always have something on the go that we're watching together. So mm-hmm. at the moment, that's actually Better Call Saul. So we watch. <gasps> I love Better Call Saul. Yeah. Yes. Reached that age where they could watch Breaking Bad, which I had seen, so I watched uh-huh. it for a second time with them. Uh-huh. And uh, that, I mean, that was hilarious. And then we're like, okay, let's let's move on to Saul. We I hadn't watched that in the past, so we're working uh-huh. our way through that at the moment. So that's great. We're like, is it a one episode night or a two episode night? <laughs> 
Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was. So that's been lots of fun. Oh. Yeah. My husband and I were really excited about, sorry, we're really excited about how good that show was. Because a lot of times when you have like a spinoff, it's not as good as the first, but that one is excellent. Yeah, that that had put me off watching it in the first place. Mm -hmm. I I don't know why, because I watched Breaking Bad when it first came out years ago. And then it's been a a big break, but it was great to rewatch that because I am known in my house, my memory for movies and TV shows is Mm -hmm. abominable, like absolutely (laughs) terrible. So I literally watched Breaking Bad for a second time and it was almost like watching it fresh. Right, yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of bad about that too, so I get it. <laughs> I, know, I don't remember any actors' names. I got just terrible. <laughs> but the other things that we, we did watch as a family, Enola Holmes, uh, which is on Netflix. It's a movie based on Cheryl, it's Sherlock Holmes's younger oh, sister. Okay. I don't know if that was a character actually in the books originally, but that was just really nice. Like it was just a really, it's a good contrast from Breaking Bad. (laughs) (laughs) Those aren't as nice. Yeah. No. no. Good. You put that nice. But the thing I'm watching on my own at the moment, uh, funnily enough, is the US Office series, The the Office, because I I had watched the English Uh one when it first came out years ago. Never watched the American one and thought, oh, uh-huh. I don't know if I want to. Like, they are quite different, the two. Right, the two yeah. But my boys had been watching the series themselves. And I'm not kidding when I say both of them have watched the entire thing, all nine seasons. I think they're up to three times each. Wow. Three. Who does that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good show. <laughs> show but I don't think I need to watch all nine seasons (laughs) I'm now in the ninth season I'm in the final season so I'm feeling a little bit sad because it's coming to an end shortly but you know yes I think I've got about 16 episodes to go (laughs) yeah I just heard somewhat recently that two of the actors from the office I want to say it's the actress that plays Pam is that Jenna correct I don't remember her last name. The one that plays Angela. Yeah, the podcast. Have you heard it? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You knew what I was talking about. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't know. And it it popped up in my Spotify and I was like, oh, how did Spotify know? Of course, Spotify knows I'm watching the office. (laughs) (laughs) So I opened it up. So I listened to about three quarters of the first episode and I stopped. I just pressed stop really quickly because they mentioned what was a spoiler for me. Oh, no. Yeah, just a little thing and it still uh-huh. hasn't happened yet and we're in uh-huh. season nine and I think I heard correctly and I'm not even going to say what it is, but <laughs> like, oh no. And so I had to, I thought I can't listen to any more of this until mm-hmm. I've watched the entire thing. Right. <laughs> I haven't listened yet. I'll have to give it a shot. And I, I yeah. know that there's still some shows here and there, like every once in a while, because it's on syndication here. And so it's frequently, if we're watching TV, we'll run into an, Coffee, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and every once in a while, an episode comes on and out because I didn't really watch it when it was actually on. Yeah. But every once in a while, an episode will come on and I, I'll think, oh, I don't think I've seen this one, but <laughs> I think I've seen most of them. <laughs> yeah. It is great. I do like the character development over the, yes. the different seasons. And yeah, it's, it's good. It's been funny. Yeah. So yeah, only a few to go for that. Yeah, I'm going to be sad, I think, when it's over. Yes. I'll yes. have a few more things lined up, though. That's my cooking time and cleaning the kitchen time. That's that's what I do. Yeah, Watch that's office. a good plan. Yeah. <laughs> well, Katie, this was so much fun to have you on. You are just such a wealth of knowledge when it comes to technology and music education. And I've learned a lot just listening to you talk today. So I'm excited. I'm going to do last pass. I'm going to make myself that promise. There's one thing. <laughs> yes. And check out more of Wakelet. And oh, and I'm also going to do this Excel, the, not Excel spreadsheets, the Google Sheets and oh, yes. organize myself Definitely. better. Yes. So useful. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming on the show and make sure to check at those of you listening, make sure to check out Katie's site because it's super helpful and sign up for her next webinar. Yes. Come and join (laughs) us. And if you miss Google, I don't know if this is being published, but if you miss Google forms, it will be, the recording will be available. So it's all. Yes. Yes. All right. (laughs) Thanks so much, much, Katie. Talk to you. You too. Bye.